0: Hey, everybody, we love that you're benefiting from the show. Because we are a do-it-yourself podcast, we would ask that you help spread our message by sharing the podcast with somebody that you think may get value from it. Remember, you are the most important part of the
1: show. Thank you. We at The Other Side of Hell podcast are not therapists, doctors, or counselors. We're just two guys who have been through hell and come out the other side. Please be
0: aware, we may talk about drinking and drugging in detail, Anyone struggling with addiction may find this triggering. Our goal is to share our stories, explore our struggles, and connect with others through our experience. Remember, we are not alone. There is hope, and together we can get better. Hey, what's up everybody? I'm Cameron. I'm Willie. Welcome to the Other Side of Hell podcast. Today, uh, you may have noticed things are a little bit different today. A little different over here. Have you noticed? A little changey. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's been a little, it's been a a, a kind of a weird day. Yes, it has. But not a bad day.
1: Yeah, well, change is inevitable. Change is going to happen. Yeah.
0: Um, We are without Nate today and forevermore. Um,
1: (laughs) Yeah. To be quite honest. Nate, Nate's made the decision to move on from the podcast, and uh, we're going to miss the vulnerable Nate. Uh, the show must go on. Um, everybody can still reach him on Instagram, his Instagram handle, as far as as we know as of now, it's still there. But Nate uh, made some decisions that put him in a position to where he can no longer be on the podcast, and unfortunately, that's the reality of some relationships. So. Mm-hmm we're going to move on we're going to try to do this without him and try to have some some zeal and some fun and some some discussion and continue to grow and move towards the goal of getting people's stories out to you and and reaching people in the recovery world and and just helping each other stay sober and stay on point and improve their lives and improve our lives and move on
0: hell yeah yeah i think it's been uh, an interesting morning and i think it's sort of uh you know, it goes into what it is we're we're going to talk about today. Yeah. Um, on on the hills of that news and sort of processing that and and you know moving forward with the podcast today, we're going to talk about acceptance.
1: Acceptance.
0: So, um, <laughs> which you know, like when we decided we were going to do acceptance, I, I I sort of couldn't believe that we hadn't already talked about it. Yeah. Because I feel yeah. like it it is such a, a huge cornerstone in in my recovery yeah for sure and and you know it was definitely like the first the first word that i heard in in recovery like oh i have like acceptance like what does that even mean like what you know like what i just have to accept that i'm an alcoholic like and 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 how do I even do that? You know what I mean? Like Uh acceptance at first is like, it's sort of a a mind job. It's like, what do you mean I have to accept it? Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't even understand what that
1: means. Do you understand what it means now? Yeah, I think, you know, like
0: I've had to accept, you know, that I'm an alcoholic. I've had to accept a great deal of things. Mm -hmm. And, And honestly, like when I, when I hear, I think of acceptance now, like, One of the things that i i I think about often is the serenity prayer because we we hear the serenity prayer said you know a lot in in aa or in Mm -hmm. the meetings and and for me like the serenity prayer was such a big part of my recovery at first and i mean obviously it still plays a role but But when I think about the actual words of the Serenity Prayer, what
1: what is this? uh, Why don't you? Because some people may not be familiar with what you are talking about. No, absolutely, I
0: want to break it down because, like the first, the first thing is like God. Well, I'll just give it out, right? So, God, help me to accept the things I cannot change. Grant me the serenity. Grant me the serenity. Wait, what is it?
1: (laughs) I don't know. You are the one
0: saying it. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. Right. The courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. Right. It's funny like how sometimes you can say a thing a thousand million times <laughs> and then the minute you're put on the spot it's like <laughs> no, I don't know the words to this thing. <laughs> yeah. But <clears throat> uh, but you know, so so when I when I break that down it was like okay, first of all, God, right? Like and and take that to mean whatever it is, like I think we're both at a point in our own recoveries where like, when we say the word God or we talk about the word God, like, each of us go to a different place in our mind, right? Mm-hmm. But it's sort of acknowledging, like, a higher power. Right. And it, it looks different for me than it may for you. It looks different for, for anybody who's who's saying, you know, the word God. Like, for me, it's just like, eh, you know, like, I'm not in charge. That's sort of the bottom line, right? So I'm asking for help. Like, God, grant me this serenity because that's what it's all about. I just want some peace. <laughs> right. I just I just want to not be so crazy. Right. You know? Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. Like, man, there's a lot of things in this world that I just have no control over. And you know, and and trying to decide what those are is the tricky thing. Right? Yeah. So to accept the things I cannot change, to change the things I can. Because there are some definite things that I have control over. Right. And and because I'm an alcoholic, it's pretty easy for me to get confused on what is which. Mm-hmm. And to decide that I have no control over this and that I'm just a victim. Right. Right? Good word. So it's like I've got to accept the fact that, you know, there's things I cannot change and that there are things that I can and that I can take action on those things. Yeah. And then ask that higher power or divine energy or or even another alcoholic like help me to decide what is which you know like what to change the things I can right so to accept the things I cannot change to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference because that's where I get lost like I don't know what is what I don't know how to take you know like how to accept what it is I cannot change and how to change the things I can so sometimes I really got to stop take a step back and really think about that. Yeah. Right. And would you say that at this stage of the game, Willie, like that you're really good at deciding what it is you cannot change? Like tell me how Uh, that plays a role in your life. I'm fairly
1: decent at it. Like it takes, it takes a lot of work, but, but yeah. Um, I think that, that we can get to a point where we've done enough, Evaluation in our lives that we can really take a look at. The only thing we have the ability to control at all is ourselves. No, no matter what the situation, you know, because there's there's manipulation and there's fear and there's there's all these things. But at the end of the day, you know, can, like like having control over my life coming from a place of love is the best way to handle just about everything. And so you know acceptance comes from for for me it almost always starts with a feeling of discomfort or lack of acceptance right and so being an alcoholic like my life was was so chaotic and so out of control and there was this inner voice inside of me saying willie you don't need to live this way and i didn't know i didn't know what you know that surrender part was going to look like I just felt that it needed to happen for a really long time before it did happen because of like you were saying that victim role, right? Well, if 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 you felt the way that I felt, if people treated you the way they've treated me, if if you were given the 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 card the hand that I was dealt, all all those things, all those all those blames, once I can take responsibility for my own life, mm-hmm. then I can accept and surrender to a better quality of life and it, it all comes with work like there's nothing that happens in life that that moves you in a projection of, of forward movement that doesn't come with some amount of work and that's what has to happen acceptance takes work right, right. it really does you know that the the end part of that prayer with with the wisdom to know the difference implies Work to me, it applies action. Like I have to take action towards that thing that I'm trying to accept, and and you know it's it's difficult. You know, and I'll, I'll we'll probably bring up Nate a couple times. It's it's, it's difficult um, accepting his choice to mm-hmm. not be here, um, accepting his decisions to not be here because it's confusing, right? And the reason that it's confusing is because there was so much invested in this this way of life that. Um, to want to do anything unproductive just seems so unbelievably unbelievable, right? right. But, but it is believable because it happened. And so um, the acceptance part of that comes from us moving forward. Like, okay, we accept that it's going to be different. Let's get excited about it. Let's move forward. Let's do the best we can. And it takes work. Like we've been, we've been trying to plan out all this stuff that goes along with a new format for the podcast, right. for for our lives, for our friendships, for for everything that that is gonna be a void for a little while. But that happens in every area of our lives. Right. You know, if we take this this COVID situation that's been happening over the course of the last year, everybody on the planet has had to accept some form of change. this this change that mm-hmm. that's come along with it. And it hasn't come without work. There's been a lot of negative uh, protests and riots and, and things, you know, this the the Black Lives Matter movement is is huge right now. Um, there's a lot of resistance involved with that, but there's also a lot of acceptance that yeah, some things need to change. Right. We accept that. Mm-hmm. Um, that some changes are happening. Yeah, we accept that. But it all comes with an amount of work. You know, that's that's the main thing when Acceptance is great but then what? Right, it
0: has to be followed by the appropriate
1: action. I think so. Yeah. I
0: yeah. think so. Yeah, absolutely. And right. I think sometimes it it it's difficult to know what that is. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like like even even like sort of going back to the Nate thing and I think it's okay that we talk about it because I'm sure there's people listening that are like what the fuck happened?
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know what, what the mean? fuck? i mean we are right well right like we're
0: we're 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 not immune to that that line of thinking at all like we're we're sort of also scratching our heads yeah Um, but but on on the hills of that it's like yeah we we accept like there's this urge to want to try and fix it to change it to to force yeah to force it to really just sort of like you know, like, wait a minute. I don't want this. Like, uh, this. Uh, let me let me try and control it. Let me, right. let me try and really control the situation. And it's like, it just comes down to, that's that's not the appropriate thing to do in this instance. The appropriate thing to do is just to accept that that's his choice, mm-hmm. and to and to move forward and and to decide how to move forward. Right. You know. And like we had we had conversations about like, well, what does that mean for the podcast? What does that mean for? You know this, and there was, there was never any doubt that we were just going to continue to move forward. But it's like, what what sort of changes need to happen in that instance? Yeah, you
1: know? and it's it's a great it's a great it's a great opportunity to practice mm-hmm. acceptance and program and all the things because you know it's it's really easy to fall back into so many of the topics that we've had that, that go along with negativity, right? Resentment, fear doubt shame uh you know like like taking the blame for other people's actions you know wanting to be the hero all all those things and and the fact of the matter is is like we don't get to save any one person's life right like we can put as much we can put as much effort on on anybody but ultimately everyone has the choice to do what they want to do with their life that's one of the what's one of the invaluable principles of being a human is that you are ultimately the captain of your own ship you get to decide which direction you want to go and if that takes you off of a cliff or even into the grave that's still your choice you know i mean we had uh judy tell her story uh, the surviving mother and right. it's been a few, it's been several episodes ago, but it was such a great honor to have her on there because, you know, she's she comes and goes out of acceptance with the fact that um, her son's choices to use drugs took his life, mm-hmm. and she accepts that that was his choice. She no longer takes the blame for that, right? right? Because and she wanted to for a very
0: long for time. for a very long time, yeah.
1: and and you know, it's it's easy to um, fall into that. Uh, responsibility thing like I'm responsible for somebody else's choice if I would have acted differently or if I would have right. you know let down my own guard or if I would have sacrificed myself to save this other person then mm-hmm. and, and there that may be true but more often than not what ends up happening is the wrong person dies mm-hmm. but, well I don't know if that's the. it's not a, it's not a positive outcome for either person Right. Like usually both people get sick or hurt or die. Right. And so it ends up becoming unnecessary to try to save somebody else's life. Because if you can't accept somebody else's disease, then you become sick as well. Mm-hmm. You know, right. Acceptance is the key. And it talks about it in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, that it comes up in all the meetings all the time. Like right. Right. Acceptance well, step is step one. En- right. I mean- yeah.
0: There's a reason why acceptance is in step one. Yeah, and I think that you're absolutely you're absolutely right. The other thing you know that I got when you were talking about that is is with Judy is that acceptance is a process. Like, it's not it's not something that I can just immediately go like swallow really hard and it's over. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, gulp sometimes, but not always, especially on
1: the big stuff, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. But it's like even even with this, like what what you were talking about sort of made me like go to like all those emotions that I might be feeling around this circumstance with Nate right it's like I, I am having these moments where you know I'm trying to decide like maybe if I had done this different or maybe if I had done that different or you know, like how much of this is 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 on me or my fault or or, or whatever the case is, and mm-hmm. it's like there there might be a certain amount of that. Like I I, I will not deny that there might be a, a certain amount of that 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 led to his decision, but ultimately it was his decision, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And and there's you know a thousand different ways that it could have been handled, and and you know he chose a specific way to do it that would not have been the way that I chose to do Hopefully. it.
1: Hopefully, yeah. Right.
0: And and so it's like well, but I but I can't control control that. I cannot control, you know, that specific situation. And so all I can do is, is accept. And those emotions are likely to come and go for the next little while. Right. Right. So, you know, it will be a process to sort of accept and continue to move on and understand that, that it is a process. Right. And that, you know, like, I, I I can want to control the situation, but it doesn't mean that I'll be able to, you know, like, (laughs) I can't,
1: you know. Well, you can only control yourself, right, right? Right. And and through, through years and years of, of dedication, discipline, work, it gets to a point where you know we really can take responsibility for our own lives, right? And we can recognize that that like we can we can have so much fun living in non acceptance and living in those those powerful emotions of negativity, right? Because we can. Like like I fuck I used to do it with religion so hard when, during my my deconversion from Christianity. Like I for the longest time I couldn't accept the fact that I am not a Christian, right? Like in my inner innermost self I moved towards trying to accept a belief structure that was not mine. Right, like I tried, I tried with everything that was in me, and then as as I moved towards the deconversion part of that, and accepting the fact that I just don't believe that particular religion mm-hmm. for myself, right? Um, there was a lot of powerful emotion that came from feeling like I was duped, and feeling like I was sure had, had been led astray, and feeling like I'd, I'd been made to to be controlled, and that I was being used, and and all the things that went along with with. Um, how I was feeling anyway and then coming to understand that a lot of people put a lot of work into getting me to believe that and 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 seeing all the stuff that wasn't working for me like being angry about it was so powerful right like oh it feels so good to be able to just talk shit and and walk away from it and, and be free from from this negative relationship and and all those things and it's hard to not get wrapped up in that sometimes because it is so powerful. It is, mm -hmm. you know, those negative emotions can be so powerful. However, they're, they're extremely, extremely confining, right? Like if if you stay in, in a negative behavior for, for any amount of time, you end up becoming kind of a slave to that negative behavior and it takes over everything in your life. Well, and prone to more negative behavior. Sure. Right. Right. Like negativity grows negativity. And Mm so, when we talk about acceptance it, you know it begins the process of freeing those negative ex- those negative feelings so that you can move forward in a positive and loving direction like mm-hmm. you no longer need to be bound in that negativity through lack of acceptance right and and that's where the victim role comes in so strongly is like this thing happened and now i'm upset mm-hmm. and now it's your fault right. and now i'm justified in harming myself right because if you felt the way that I felt, I'm so okay with, you know, it's okay for me to, to be in negativity, right? When negativity really is ultimately your choice to be in that space, especially after you've used some tools and gained some practice and, and worked on these things, experimented with other areas of your life, right? Like, like you know, the weight gain stuff for us, mm-hmm. right? Like you and I both, you, you you know, when you got your five-year chip a, a few weeks ago, uh, we, we were talking about all the things that your life is different. And one of the things that you said was, you know, I, I lost 80 pounds. I gained 80 pounds, right? right? right. Like, like, like the course like, of five years, right? <laughs> like, like moving forward with that stuff, like um, not accepting the negativity that goes along with that, right? Like because you can get locked in it. You can get locked in that but it doesn't serve you. Right. And I think I have been locked in it it, at
0: certain times. Sure. Just how could I do this? Like, why would I do that to myself? And, you know, just bouncing around all these negative thoughts instead of just accepting it and and addressing it and moving forward. Right. right? Like I, me dwelling on the fact that it happened doesn't, a, it doesn't change the fact that it happened. (laughs) Right. B, it doesn't do anything to, to, to fix the issue or to solve the problem. Right. It just leads to more, more like more me seeking out food for comfort because I'm just dwelling on the fact that this happened. Yeah. Right. So it's like acceptance in that instance is key in order to move forward. Same thing with drinking. Like there was definitely a lot of times where I was drinking and using drugs where in a sober moment I would say, how the fuck did I find myself in this situation? Yeah. It was never like, Okay, I accept that I found myself in this situation, and now I'm going to take the appropriate action. Like I had to go to a treatment facility. I had to have other people that knew more than I did explain that to me. Right. Like this is this is the way that we do this. Like we have to accept step one of right. You started anonymous. practicing. Right. Exactly, and then move forward from there. Yeah. Because me just sort of hating the fact that this was the space I was in was not helpful. Right. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, it just, again, speaks to the fact that it is a process. It is something that we have to learn. It is something that I continue to learn more and yeah. more about. And I think that, like, correct me if I'm wrong, I think that there is a lot of, a lot of, I don't want to say stigma, but maybe mis, misconceived notions within AA. Or I remember as a as a newcomer, like, there was this notion that, like if I just go through life accepting everything, does that just mean that like I am a doormat or does it mean that I, you know, like I don't actually strive for things. Like I just, I just accept the way things are and that's just the way things are. Right? Yeah. Like, you know, no, that's not what it means. Like, and, and it comes back to the serenity prayer. No, like I have to know what things I need to accept and what things like I can I can change right.
1: and work for those things right so it's like it's like this racism stuff right like I accept there is racism in the world mm-hmm. right like I accept that that has been part of American culture It's been part of every culture right you know I mean across the board you know all uh, uh, dominating behaviors and things like that like I accept that but I do not accept, someone behaving that way in my presence right Right. like i don't have to accept that and and i accept that that there are situations that abuse happens and that um there's some 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 things that are completely unlike like like, i don't i don't agree with with child abuse in any way shape or form right um i accept that that does happen however i do not agree with it and and i do not allow it in my presence right. right like like there is a there is a difference like i'm not gonna lose sleep over the fact that that there is brutality in the world right however i'm also not going to participate in that brutality mm-hmm. right like so there, there's some acceptance there and and being on the being on the path of wellness right puts us in a position to where we can really dial in what our values are what these things mean to us. What does our health mean to us? What does our mental state mean to us? What does, you know, the, the food that we put in our bodies, the, the things that we listen to and read and, you know, how we feed our, our, our brains, you know, what do these things mean to us, right? Because, and, and then look at, you know, how do we become the highest version of ourselves while still accepting that if I don't do these things, Right, because that's where my acceptance come in. If I don't do these things, then I better accept a lower version of myself, because that's what's going to happen. Right, I'm going to fall back into those 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 negative behaviors, and so I have to accept that these things take work. Right, right, and, and time, and, and yeah, yeah, and time, yeah, and and I have to be the one that does the work. Right, mm-hmm. uh, I would love, right, the the theory of 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 winning the lottery sounds fucking <laughs> amazing. Yeah. Go buy a 9 dollar ticket, wake up Thursday morning, 100 million dollars in the bank. Right? Well,
0: yeah, it's funny because like as you were talking, like what it what it makes me think about is, you know, you were saying I have to accept that these are the things I have to do to be the highest version of myself or I have to accept that I'm going to be a lower version of myself because the idea is that I need to love myself regardless. Right. (laughs) Like, like I, I better just like who I am. Like either way, like either I'm going to like the, I'm going to learn to like the lower version of myself or I'm going to love me having to do the work to do the highest, to be the highest part of myself. But it's, and, and it's been my experience and it sounds like it's been yours too, that I don't love the person I am when I don't do the work. Right. right. So I, I, yeah, I have to do the work. Like it, it, it reminds me like, uh, at one point in time when I was like contemplating this big career change, right. That I, that I, that I did at one point in my life, like I, I started thinking about the fact like, well, what do I want to do? Like, what, what is it that I want to do with my life? And I was like, you know what? Like, if I could be happy flipping burgers, I'd be okay with that. Like, if I could have... If, like, if I could have that peace and serenity and just be a guy that, like, flips burgers, that would be great. But I can't. Right. Like, there is something within me that expects more from myself. And when I'm not living up to that potential... I put myself through hell, yeah. right? And so, like, I've sort of accepted the fact that that's part of my nature. And when I'm not living up to that part of myself, it means that I need to accept that there's more work to do. yeah And and do it, you know. Yeah. So I don't know. Like it it it's it just it just reminds me that man like I have to accept that. I want to be a certain level of good for myself. Sure. But there's definitely moments where it's like, I wish I could just be okay with mediocre.
1: Well, well you've tried it. Right. Right. We, we've tried it all. We've tried all the fucking ways. Mm-hmm. We've, we've tried the alcoholic route most right. of our lives. Right. Good I'm job. Gonna, I'm going to yeah. take something from out here. I'm going to put it in here maybe that will help nope that didn't help right so now i'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna stop the drugs and alcohol because it's so easy for everybody to judge you on that right like and when we see the, the this other stuff with our families but with the drugs and alcohol willie you're fucking killing yourself i can't watch it anymore i can't accept that you're being this way the 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 law enforcement's like you're a fucking criminal we can't accept your behavior we're gonna lock you up right and and so we tried that and and so we went through sobriety we went through treatment mm-hmm. gained some tools experimented with some acceptance you know in certain areas of our lives you know maybe maybe tried some other shit like food like okay right. maybe I'll just dive into the fucking to, to the spaghetti plate and maybe putting that in me is gonna fulfill me right and and when that didn't work either they're okay I that didn't work either. So so what is it? What's what's the what's the thing? And so we try a relationship. You know, we try we try all these different things to get to the point where what we end up finding out. What I found out for myself is that it comes from moment to moment daily practices of discipline and doing things that I don't want to do that are hard, right? Getting up on time, doing exercise in the morning, having a strict Meal plan, not necessarily a diet, but you know there are certain foods that I don't eat because I've experimented with it. I accept that certain foods make me a lower version of myself. If I eat fucking white flour, I'm I'm a fucking mess mentally, like physically, just a fucking mess. Like any form of white flour. If I eat sugar, I am obsessive like a motherfucker. Mm -hmm. Like like all day long, all I do is. One, a, one jolly rancher and I'm off to the races as far as fucking candy goes, right? like, like I, and it took me a lot of experimentation with that, but I accept that I, I accept I, I was gonna say I accept that I can't have that, but, but I can have that. Sure. sure I accept man. what happens to me as a result of these things that I put in my body to try to change. So what has been working lately? are these fucking intense workouts, Mm -hmm. right? I got a coach, you know, I mean, we've talked about this stuff several times. I follow a plan. I do things that are hard and I accept that the work is the thing that's bringing me the serenity, right? At the end of the day, right? At the end of the day, I can accept that other people are going to fall short of their own potential. Right. Unfortunately, Mm -hmm. I don't have to. Mm -hmm. There's going to be moments that I fall short of my own potential. I do not have to accept that again today, right? Because it will create a pattern within me that will eventually convince me that falling short of my own potential is a place that is okay to be at. And it's not. I'm with you, right? Like if, if being a lower version of myself worked, I would not be at where I'm at. I would not be the person that I am because... I believe I have one life. One. There's no afterlife. I don't think there's an afterlife. And I know that that's not everybody's belief, but but it helps me be a better person on a daily basis, accepting that I believe that I have one shot at this life. And right now, I have the ability to do hard things and, and work on my acceptance towards other people's decisions so that I don't fall victim to my own shortcomings of placing the blame and pointing the finger and talking shit and and being this negative, this negative guy that nobody deserves, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. nobody deserves that shit. And so, so today I accept the work because I've seen the result Mm -hmm. and I like the result. Right. I like the result. I like Mm -hmm. the result of the work and it just makes me feel good. Well, and that's, that's, I mean, that's
0: all we want, right? Like, and that's, I mean, to, to speak to your point, like I want to go back because you said that, you know, not everybody believes in an afterlife. And I know we have like a, a, a whole bunch of different people that, that listen to this show mm-hmm. from various demographics who have numerous different beliefs. And I just want to say like, even if you do believe in an afterlife, like personally, like, I don't know if there is or isn't, but I'm not there now. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? So it's like, I I need to focus like it's all about being present like sure dude like this is the this is Good the skin point. I'm in like it doesn't matter if there is or there isn't like that's not reality for me right now yeah so like I have to act accordingly right and so like you talked about like it being worth the work like which we always talk about right like I have to accept the fact that this is the work that I have to do in order to feel a certain way about myself uh uh-huh. And that, yeah, I'm not always going to want to do the work. In fact, generally, I don't want (laughs) to do the
1: work, right? Never going to feel like it. Right.
0: But I want the result. Yeah. You know? And sometimes I forget about the result. Like, it's so easy to just, like, meetings are that way. Meetings can always be that way, where it's like, and I'm talking about AA meetings, but, you know, like, where you you just don't want to go. Like, for whatever reason, like, you just don't want to go to the meeting, you know? And it's, like, generally what they'll say is, like, the minute that you don't want to go to a meeting, you need to go to a meeting, you know. But but I've had that, like, where, you know, man, I just don't want to go. Like, you force yourself to go. And then you're so glad that you did. And there's so many things like that. Like, I can get that. And recognizing that that's what's happening is another really, really important part. But I can get that way about, like, social gatherings. I can get that way about work. I can get that way about exercise. sure. I can get that way about anything where it's like, I just don't want to fucking do it. Right. But I'm always glad that I did. Yeah. Accept that that's what has to happen and that I'm going to be glad that I did. Yeah. And accept that that's my mind fucking with me. Yeah. You know, is the other thing. So. I don't know what the hell to do about (laughs) any (laughs) of this stuff, you know, like the the best we can do is just accept that we're imperfect, you know, and, and the minute that I'm able to like accept that I'm imperfect and that I'm going to have these crazy thoughts and I don't have to follow up on those thoughts, the more likely I am to accept those imperfections in other people as well. Because I think that that's a key component to acceptance is, is understanding that, you know like. Accepting other people for who, for who they are. Yeah,
1: and and that's why it's so like off of what you're saying. That's why it's so important that we practice with our lives and we experiment with our lives because mm-hmm. um, we know through practical application that going back to drinking will not make anything better. Right. Nothing. Mm-hmm. Right. And it it's it, it just won't. It's not going to help, regardless of whatever situation it is you're trying to to accept. Right. Life on life's terms is life on life's terms. Life is what it is, right? We're on a crazy fucking rock floating through space. There's Mm -hmm. nothing that I can do about that. Nothing. Right. However, I can do some stuff about the way I react to the world around me. It comes through, um, the, through practice. Right. I used to drink over anything and one day I didn't. Right. And, and, you know, I say I'm alcoholic because I use and I drink when I have every reason not to. And once I start, I can't stop. I'm an alcoholic because of the way the alcohol affects me mentally. Once once I put one in my body, it, it creates an obsession in my mind and I act out compulsively. And I'm that same way with anything that changes the way that I feel mm-hmm. from a negative state to a different state. It doesn't even have to be positive, right? Because... I've used food, and I've put food in my body after being in a negative state. It made me more negative, and I ate more food, right? right. And it's the same thing. Like, I've done it with alcohol. Oh, I've yeah. been in a negative state, tried to drink so that I felt better. It made me worse, and I continued to drink. And so, like, through through practice and experimentation, we get to a point where we no longer make the same mistakes as far as trying to change the way that we feel. And so i accept that i'm an alcoholic based on those premises right so so i don't have to go back to drinking when there's something that's hard for me to accept right i can practice you know talking to somebody about it like this thing is hard for me to accept you know well let's process it what's hard what's hard about it you know what's going on well i feel let down why Well, because I put a lot of effort and I thought it was going to turn out differently. Okay, so you had an expectation. It turns out I did have an expectation. Okay, what was your expectation? Well, this, you know whatever your expectation is, and it didn't turn out that way. So so whose, whose fault is it that you're feeling this way? Oh, right, I have to take responsibility for it, which makes whatever that situation is a little bit easier to accept because mm-hmm. then I know that it's on my plate. And that's what experimentation and practice in life does. If I have a job that I hate, and I hate going to that job every day, I live in a country where it's fairly easy, at least in where where I'm from, to change jobs, mm-hmm. right? I don't have to live in negativity. You can change your relationship. You don't have to accept and stay in an abusive relationship. We, you know, talking to, um, talking to our friend from Katie. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I, Katie I almost <laughs> Katie's crazy corner. I was, I was, I was on a roll. Like, like she got to a point where she stopped accepting the abuse, you know, and, and moved forward. And now she accepts that. She is not a victim, she's a thriver, right? And, and, and that's why it's so important that you practice these things. You know, I, I, I keep coming back to that because it's so big. When you were early in recovery, you practice daily, not drinking, mm-hmm. right? Accepting on a daily basis this is what drinking does to me. You know, this is what following rules does. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, I'm in this place. I accept that I'm here. You know, but you took those things and you created a a, a direction for your life off of that because you could no longer accept killing yourself. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah with with guidance and help, right? Like, yeah, I
0: was I was luckily I, I I was introduced to a lot of people that could sort of give me an idea of how to live my life, mm-hmm. right? Because I didn't know, I I just I just had no idea what I was doing. Like I just I was all about you know the drugs and alcohol, and that's all I knew. So as soon as that was removed, I didn't know how to deal with feelings. No, I didn't, I didn't know how to, to to deal with things without it. I didn't know how to accept things without you know, my 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 version of acceptance when I was in the disease was, I accept what you're saying. I'm gonna go have a drink. <laughs>
1: you know what I mean? Like I can accept that now. Fuck you.
0: Right. Exactly. Now I'm going to drink to that. Yeah. You know? And so like getting to a place where, where I accepted that that was no longer working, you know, has led me to a a place where I have to deal with those emotions. Like I have to sit with those emotions and say, okay, like, like you said, like go through this process of like, why am I feeling this way? You know? And, continue to practice that process. So, yeah, I mean it and 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 recognizing that it is a process. It doesn't happen overnight. Right. And, and like I said, you can't just swallow hard and all of a sudden you're good. You know, I wish it was that easy. Like I wish I wish that you know, accepting accepting other people for who they are was that easy and accepting yeah. that other people make the decisions that they do was was that easy, but it is it is a process and the only thing that we can do is is you know try and respond the way that our higher selves would respond to that particular yeah. situation.
1: And so it seems like it seems like acceptance will along with acceptance comes no negative behavior, right? Like if I accept something there's no negative behavior behind it. Like I I move on. You know, it seems like lack of acceptance, there's probably some type of negative behavior behind it, whether it's, whether it's negative self-talk or dysfunctional thinking or, you know, just malice or some, some type of resentment or, you know, anger towards that. Like, it doesn't even necessarily have to be behavior, but emotion, right? Like, like, it seems like when there's acceptance it like, like you say, like, it's a process of. I don't necessarily have to like it, Mm -hmm. you know, because I don't like COVID. I don't like wearing a fucking mask every time I go into a grocery store or feeling like, you know, there's a lot there's a lot about COVID and and the rules of of our society now that I just don't like. But I do accept that these these are the things that they are. However, I'm not like going through and like spending my whole day plotting on how to fucking change society because I don't necessarily like putting mm-hmm. in on a. Ma- I'm not going to the fucking grocery store ever again, you know, and all that negativity, except that I put on my fucking mask and I, and I, and I go in. And so like, it seems like, you know, right action needs no explanation. Right. And, and I love that saying, right? Like right action needs no explanation. And so if, uh, if i feel like i have to explain my acceptance i'm probably not in it <laughs> well, very well put maybe like yeah. as as i process this fucking whole covid thing maybe, mm-hmm. maybe i don't accept it as well as i uh, however i'm working
0: on that <laughs> <laughs> well it's very well put because there, there there you know there's not a lot that we can do yeah. to control it right like we can we can play our own part and try and do the best we can in our own in our own worlds and our own lives you know and i think It's interesting that you bring that up because I think that everybody's response is unique and different, right? Like I have friends that are really like super cautious and then I have friends that aren't, you know? And I think it's, it's, there's a certain level of acceptance that has to happen when interacting with those friends. Like if I, if I, you know, choose to reach out to a friend and I talk about getting together and that person doesn't want to get together because of COVID, like I could, choose to get offended by that and be like you're an idiot let's get together I miss your stupid face like I want to see you and I'm not going to let no COVID stop me or I can say you know what like I I totally get why you might think that like it's been so hard to gauge anybody's individual response to it but all we can do is control ourselves it's a great example of acceptance like all we can do is control ourselves and control our response to it and understand that other people are going to be who they are with it right mm-hmm. and 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 we just have to accept that as it is right you know? like I can do my part I can wear my mask like even though like personally like I probably wouldn't wear a mask if I didn't have to but I choose to wear it because I feel like it's a certain level of respect you know like sure I'll wear the mask because you want me to wear the mask and 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 even though I'm not super concerned about it, like maybe it makes you feel a little bit better, so I'll wear the mask. Like I get it. Like I can do that. Like I, I accept that. You know, like that's my own level of acceptance with what's currently happening in the world, mm-hmm. and that's all I can do. Right. So it's a great example, COVID, like, and, and probably <laughs> something that we haven't talked about on the show nearly enough. Yeah.
1: Given there, the fact there's plenty that plenty of other people talking about it.
0: Yeah. That it's you know extremely relevant with what we're dealing with.
1: So as, as you were talking, something came to mind and, and it, it was, you know, when I get with a new guy and we start processing alcoholism, you know, because I'm, I'm from traditional 12 step type meeting sponsorship, you know, stuff like that. A lot of the times, like, like how do we come into, uh, you know, step one is admit that we're alcoholic. Right. And like, and, uh, that our lives have become unmanageable. And, and so the acceptance that I am an alcoholic, how do, how do I come to that? Right. And so one of the processes that I use to, for myself and with, with the guys that, that I'm working with is I will ask you to take a role through your life. Right. And we'll put a definition on, uh, powerlessness and unmanageability, like come to believe that I'm powerless. And my life is unmanageable, right? Mm-hmm. Powerless, which means I can't n- not put the shit in my body. And so we. how, how do we, like, like with any area of your life that you're trying to accept, what is your behavior around that? Okay. For me, right now, my health is the biggest thing that I'm working on. Right. And that that means, it used, it used to just mean the way that I look, right? Because I thought if sure, I, if I looked sure. a certain way, that would mean i'd be okay i'd be happy well as self love progresses like i want my organs healthy i want my bones healthy i want I want to be healthy from the
0: inside out yeah, yeah it's
1: it's changed it's progressed now uh i don't have a ton of self love right i just don't i i i have been in this movement of wellness for you know i've been sober for almost 9 years i've been in the, the really in the in the movement of wellness for about seven really hardcore over the last three like Mm -hmm. it gets it gets a little more progressive as i as i learn more what demonstrates to me that um i have not had a great deal of self-love right and it comes from my past from my behaviors it comes from the way that i've treated myself in fact like what could hold up in a court of law like if i had to if i had to come and say Here's the proof that I do not love myself. What, what would those things be? And it would be things like, well, you smoked your whole fucking life. Right. You drank like a, a madman. You ate bad food forever. You have insanely negative self-talk. Self-mutilation. It, it, yeah. Hurt yourself right. physically. There's a lot of evidence that shows that I'm not naturally full of self-love. I accept that. Right. Right. I accept that completely, that that is part of my illness, if you will, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So if I can believe that I am ill or sick or broken, and I want to heal or become well, then what demonstrates that I want that, right? And it's through the things that we're doing now, right? It's through accepting that not everybody's going to be on this path. OK, I, I, I accept that it's through changing the way that I eat and interact with food, the way that I see food. And it's through the way that I talk and speak out and ask for help. It's the way that I treat the world around me. You know, there's a lot of evidence now that shows that self-love has grown with inside me through my determination to change that self-hatred. Right. Right. I accept that it's there, but I will not accept that I have to stay there. Like, I won't. I'm not going to stay in that place where everybody around me is affected negatively. It's not fair to them. It's not fair to you. It's not fair to me. And when, when I get on that place, I don't expect you to stay with me through my selfishness, right? And so everything I do is a demonstration to myself that I'm sincere about this new way of life. And this new way of life is accepting that I'm broken and I'm fixable, that I'm able to heal through action, through determination, through help, through uh, practice, and, and through learning how to, to become this new version of myself. I don't get to go back to pizza. Right. I don't get to go back to donuts. I don't get to go back to alcohol. I don't get to go back to these things. I have to keep moving forward because now... There's people are relying on me as well as I am relying on me, right? Like people, I'm not the only one here anymore. I have children. I have a wife. I have you. I have a podcast. I have a company. I have employees. I have a lot of things riding on this, but the selfishness resides in its little box. Right. Still there. You know, the, the, the fucking selfish fucking and, and. I accept that it's there, but I will not fall victim to its circumstances, right? I won't. I'm going to fight for this better way of life because I love the man that I've become. Mm. And so does everybody else. Right. Nobody is out there wishing that I was fucking, fucking wish Willie really was here. <laughs> fucking drinking all my booze.
0: You don't think, you don't think that there's one or two people out there that still wish you were I think, I think,
1: I think there's probably one or two people out there wishing that I was suffering. That you were suffering
0: alongside yeah. them. Right.
1: But I'm, nobody's wishing I was still s- fucking strong arming them for their booze and bringing dangerous people around and getting the cops called and fucking trying to have sex with their moms and like all the shit that goes along with the fucking guy that I used to be. You know, I don't want to be that guy.
0: Well, I, I mean, I really like that we get to places in our lives where when we talk about who we are in the past it seems like we're talking about completely different people. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you, you, you talk about that, you talk about that behavior and it's like, I don't know that. guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And like, I, I, I mean, I can be that same way. Like I think and talk about like how I was like, you know, drinking and driving and, you know, like hung over at 7am in the morning on a work day, like, you know, and, and choosing to go drink instead of go to work. Like, these are all things that I'm like I cannot believe that that's who I was but that's who I was yeah. you know and, and I, I like that we get to these places in our lives where we get to choose like if we want to like better ourselves and love who we are today I really love the way you put that like it made me really think that I still have work to do as far as self love goes because for me that is a process but I am at least able to accept the fact that for whatever reason I don't that is not something that is natural within me, right? Like, right. I don't just naturally have this love for myself. Like, I really have to work at it, you know? And and and, and I appreciate the fact that you, you shared that with us because now I get to look at my behavior and the things that I'm doing and really decide whether that's in line with the fact that I'm trying to love myself each day, you know? Because I've accepted the fact that self-love is is something I, I, I struggle with. Mm-hmm. You know. So I I really appreciate that. I, I thank you. And I you know, I wanna talk a little bit about our war story today. Um, because we have we have a great war story. Yeah. Sarah was nice enough to share her, her story with us. And I, I really like it. I think it's appropriate because I think she had to go through a hell of a process to really accept the fact that she that she yeah. had the issue that she did, right? That she was an alcoholic. Yeah. And luckily, like she's at a place now where her life is sort of you would never look at her and think that that was such a big part of her story for so long. Yeah. And and I I love that we get to interact with these people. Yeah.
1: Trauma on top of trauma on top of trauma. And and, you know, she talks she talks about dealing with that. You know, Mm -hmm. dealing with it and finally getting past it. But, you know, while I was listening to her story, it made me think about, you know, once we once we start dealing with our trauma, it seems like things that would have caused us trauma before we worked on our trauma, like we can get hit with new situations and not be traumatized by them. Right. You know, it's so, it's such an amazing process. Like, like, you know, she, she can go through and, uh, you know, she can go through, she's got eight years sober now. I think she said, or coming up on eight years and, and like, she can go through things as a person without falling back victim to the things that you, you know, without falling back into her trauma, because there, there was a lot there was a lot of abuse you know and then mm-hmm. through college like the shit that she pulled in college and, and right. trying to find acceptance through men like it's it's really common until we gain this place until we become this get into this space where we can finally be who we are right you know the insanity that goes along with not being ourselves is fucking massive well because we
0: don't we we don't know what that looks like, right? Like, yeah. But not only are we not ourselves, we have no idea who that is, right? <laughs> or that
1: it's okay, yeah. even if you do know who that is. And, and and it changes, right? And she talks For about sure. it. Yeah. she talks about that too that that it, that it changes, you know, because when I was when I was eighteen, I'm I'm pretty sure I knew who the fuck I was, and I I was a fucking scum guy. Like, it was fun. Yeah, I, I was fun Yeah, I had some dope. We partied. Right.
0: Yeah, it's funny that you say that because I feel like the the one time in my life that I really sort of felt like I knew who I was was when I really started experimenting with all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, and then it turned.
1: It right? fucking turned like
0: it, a goddamn rabid dog. It turns on you, and then all of a sudden you're like, "Wait, this isn't who I. Yeah, this is not what I signed up for."
1: This is not what I thought this was yeah, going to be like, exactly. you know, and, and I'm, I'm so grateful for all the people that send us their stories and, and have sat down over the course that, you know, Nate was with us that, uh, sat down with him and, and just opened up mm-hmm. because it's, it's a very brave thing to, to be so vulnerable. She has a podcast, but so she's, she's a little more seasoned on, on this stuff, I think, than some other people. But it's still so amazing how connected we are through our pain, oh, yeah. through our trauma, yep. and now through our healing.
0: Mm-hmm. You know. yeah. And I, I'm, I'm really excited to share it with, with people, and, uh, and let's, let's do it. Let's roll yeah. into it. So without further ado, this is Sarah's War Story.
2: Hi, everyone. My name is Sarah, and I am a grateful recovering alcoholic, and I am really honored to be on this podcast today and share my story of of experience, um, some war stories, I guess, um, and um, how I changed when I got sober. Um, I started drinking when I was about 14 years old. That was my first drunk. I had kind of played around with you know sipping alcohol before i was 14 and i just loved the taste you know i don't know there was something i felt like you know ooh this is cool and ooh it's dangerous and uh so the first time i got drunk i was 14 and i got severely intoxicated to the place to the point of you know vomiting and my best friend was holding my hair back while i was puking and we were, you know, just laughing and we thought it was just like the funniest thing. And the next morning I had a terrible hangover, but I was more in like this glow of, wow, that was the best experience ever. Because up until that point, I had a lot of problems with, um, I undiagnosed anxiety and depression and, um, trouble in school. I had a um, hard time academically, I was very self-conscious socially. Um, but I hit it well, I hit it very, very well. And I, I did everything that I was supposed to do. Cause I, I was raised in a, in a very loving family for the most part, but that we did have our struggles like most families. And I did have experiences. Um, you know, I'll, I'll just kind of speak, um, you know, not to point fingers or name anybody, but essentially I do have experience before I was 14 around that time of sexual abuse and there was um, some verbal abuse that I experienced that um, really impacted my self-esteem and my, um, more so than I the, I realized. Um, and I did a lot of like, I think I just buried that right away. And so from the moment of, of getting drunk when I was 14, It was just the the numbness, that that feeling of, you know, all this pain and uncomfortable um, feelings in my skin just melted away. And it was like, I loved the high. Like it was, I was like, I'm home, you know, this is how I'm going to spend the rest of my life. Um, This is how I'm going to, I can't wait to live life because I've got alcohol by my side you know, deep down, that's how I felt. It was just so exciting to me. So everything I did in my life from the age of 14 until I was 39, you know, I, I think I was, you know, most people, most people were very surprised to learn that I'm, um, um, a recovering alcoholic because I hid it so well. And I was, you know, a very good secret keeper. And I was, that's kind of, that was my role in my family was, I was a secret keeper. Um, I had a, a very, a role that I, you know, and, and it, I'm not saying, I don't even know at this point, like if it was something that, you know, the mixture of like the expectations I thought I needed to meet um, as a family member um, in the town that we lived in and um, that I should be okay, but not too okay, because then it would, it would make other family members uncomfortable if I was, you know, if I excelled in some areas. So that's kind of the, that's the feeling I had. Um, And I, um, so I was, I, I was, I was a good athlete, but I didn't, I I was so self-conscious and, and had so low self-esteem and felt like if I, if I performed too well, that, um, that other, it it would be upsetting to other family members, um, other siblings. And, and so I just kind of skated through my adolescence as doing okay, like, not too good, not terrible. I didn't didn't want to rock the boat, but I always I you know, by the time I was ready like I dated, I started dating when I was around 15 and I would I was notorious for like long-term relationships, but you know, I really like I tended to go to relationships where the the guy was older than me and could get alcohol very easily um and i was also like addicted to the love that i was getting the obsession like the, like i would date men that were obsessed with me and i think that was to fill a hole of not feeling like that i was good enough um i i didn't want to feel like i was a burden cuz that cause that was kind of the message that that i heard um in my family of origin um and so i dated guys i got my um my love from the, guy I did, the guys I dated and by the time I got to college I was you know a shit show you know I, I I don't know how I got into college I really don't it was a good college and but I went there and I and I was supposed to play a sport and I totally you know just didn't show up for the first practice and it pissed off the coach and I didn't care I was just so selfish I just wanted to party and get drunk and I got drunk all the time and I just, I was eight hours away from home and I just felt like I had all this, you know, I was, I had escaped, you know, and I was away from my abuser. And so it was, it was freeing for me to be able to just let loose and cut loose and just be the bad girl. Like I didn't have to like be this persona of like this nice girl, like everything's okay. And, and, um, So I did a lot of partying in college. Um, I got in a lot of (laughs) trouble. I just did a lot of bad shit in college that, you know, I'd look back on and think, who was that person? You know, now that I I have eight years in um, uh, my program of recovery, and I feel like such like, like the person I'm supposed to be now. And i think back to those days especially in college when i dated a lot of different guys and i i was just you know one night stands all over the place like looking for love in all the wrong places you know like i was just getting drunk hooking up you know trying to get somebody to like be obsessed with me and but the more i was like chasing love and chasing that that feeling of um you know, that high, that, that numb, the numbness of alcohol, the more I did that, the more just, it it really began to, um, destroy my, my sense of self, like, like that, anything that I had left at that point when I went to college and I really didn't have any, I didn't, I, I was so detached from myself in many ways and didn't know what I wanted and in life and just felt, you know, more and more like what, how am I useful in this world? Like, what, what do I have to offer? Um, so the, a lot of the self-loathing, self-pitying victim kind of feelings came along with, um, you know, that was the war for me. That was the war. Um, it was like the war with myself, like the war of um, the inner. Um, yeah, I was just so hard on myself. I, I was cruel to myself. And so that came out and everything I did, you know, outside of myself. So, you know, I would date like the, the, even the, the girlfriends I would have in college, you know, they were, I, I didn't know how to pick the right girlfriends. You know, I think they were there offered to me and people could see kind of the goodness in me, but I always kind of went towards, you know, the, the relationships where I would be a victim. Um, And that's just kind of, that's how I knew how to live as kind of this victim. But I didn't know that that's what I was doing back then until I got into recovery and started to learn about, you know, all of my behaviors and everything as a result of, you know, early trauma, um, early childhood trauma and how that can impact you throughout the rest of your, you know, a person's life. So um, after college, I, you know, I left college 25 pounds heavier. I looked like a blueberry and I was just like, really really sad and depressed and i had been diagnosed with a vestibular disorder um, which attacks your inner ear and I actually have I have hearing aids because I'm, I'm pretty much hearing impaired so uh, at this point because that's what the disease has done to my my hearing so when I was diagnosed my senior year in college you know here I am four years later and I had four years of partying four, four years of dating all the four years of like bad shit happening because I was like getting doing dangerous things with dangerous people. And um, I then I kind of felt like it was a, a punishment that I was diagnosed with what's called Meniere's disease. And the, the doctor who diagnosed me said, you know, only old people get this. And I'm like, Oh, fuck, you know, like my luck, you know, and so it was like, I was, I was just like, of course, you know, because, everything bad happens am I like all this bad shit happens to me because I'm a bad person and and I drink too much and I you know I I, I'm around people who are mean to me and I catch them talking bad behind my back and I'm hurt and I'm constantly like the victim 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 so there was like you know there's so much more like I felt like there was the war stories, like that's an interesting, you know, name for, um, for a podcast because we think the war stories are like, you know, and a lot of people like, like I didn't have like the, the war stories, like, like getting arrested or going to jail or get, killing someone accidentally or, you know, um, you know, there were the, the war stories for me were, um, yeah, I did get myself into dangerous situations, but I, I was lucky, you know, and I think that for me now, I look at that my higher power was looking after me all along. Like my higher power was like, okay, when is she going to be ready to surrender to this, to this um, disease of alcoholism? And and um, but I thought it was like a real, truly like a moral failing. Like I just thought, like this is the only way that um, I can manage my life. It's the only way I can cope with anything. Well, fast forward, I left college. I kind of like, you know, I decided like let's take a break from drinking. Um, I was living with my parents at the time, it was just my parents, and you know, my parents. they're wonderful, loving, um, parents and there are no siblings in the house or anything. And just me and my parents. And, um, and so I, um, got a job, but my, my condition was like my ear, my Meniere's disease was really impacting my quality of life. And I was so depressed about it. So I just started to drink again more. And then I moved out of my house. I moved out of my parents' house and I moved in with a friend of mine and I was single and I'm like, okay, I'm just going to have fun. I don't care. Like, that, that doctor told me that I should never drink the rest of my life. And I was like, fuck you. Like I, I was given such like a, you know, like such an awful, you know, my upbringing, there's so many things that like hurt me and my whole life. So I deserve, like, I had this like attitude of like, I deserve to just party and smoke cigarettes and smoke weed. And I had too much anxiety to do anything other than that. I think I did ecstasy once, but I had people ask me to do acid and you know, lots of different drugs, but I, my anxiety was so bad that I just, I was too afraid of doing that. I just was like, I'm sticking with the alcohol and and smoking cigarettes and doing weed. And that was, that was pretty much it. But my drug of choice by the, you know, by the very end was Pinot Grigio, you know, a, a stay at home mom, three kids, two with autism. Here I am like this, you know, housewife um, trying to, trying to kind of make a, give my children everything that I didn't get. And, you know, I married the right guy and he still is the right guy. Fortunately, like he stuck with me because I was not a good wife. And, um, but I, I, I want to move forward to, to a lot of the good stuff that has happened as a result of getting, getting sober, because, you know, time, you know, I, I tried on my own. You know, when I when I met my now husband in um, 1996, it was right after college. So he was there when I was dealing with my 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 um, vestibular disorder, and he was such a good guy. Like, and he still is such a kind, loving guy. And I always thought, like, why did he why did he want to marry me? Like, why did why me? You know, because I hate. I really inside was like, I'm not good enough for him. But I really loved him, and I really thought I thought he was so funny he still is so funny and I'm like what but, but he was the first guy I ever dated who wasn't like obsessed with me or treated me like shit you know and so so I'm like I I, I want to hang on to this guy like but I don't think I'm good enough for him so I so but so my drinking got a little bit better a little bit more controlled but then like when we got engaged and we're getting ready to get married I had more anxiety and there was stuff coming up and like I was had depression and mood issues and panic attacks all the time and I was like what is wrong with me and I tried to hide it so much and so the alcohol like I just I kept I was like much harder to live my life because I was you know trying to just live just make the everyone think that everything was okay and but inside you know the war was still going on you know that war and and I would have like when I was like having intimate relations with, with, um, my husband and even like before my husband, if I, if I was like, you know, with someone intimately, I would always, the, the sexual abuse would come up in my head during the time that I was, you know, intimate with anyone. And I would, so in college, especially when I was just doing all the wrong things, I would get so intoxicated. So I wouldn't so I try to like block out that, that, you know, memory, the memories of what happened to me um, and what was done to me. And so I ended up, um, I did therapy, but then, but then it wasn't working because I would go out and drink afterwards <laughs> and they put me on medication and then I would drink on the medication. And so, you know, now I know that I can't drink like for medication to work effectively. Like you really shouldn't drink the way I was drinking, <laughs> you know, so, so, um, anyway, so fast forward, because I really do want to get into the beautiful things that happen once, once I surrendered to my addiction and, uh, my obsession with alcohol. And, um, it's actually quite a remarkable story and, um, it took me a long time to get to a place where I wanted to start to kind of come out of the closet, if you will, and talk more openly about my story and, And not necessarily my story, but more about what came after getting sober and how much my life has changed and how that war is over, you know, the war, um, with myself, with my own, you know, like as some, you know, programs, my program recovery says, you know, character defects, you know, I had not, I had those, but I also had severe depression, severe clinical anxiety. Um, and undiagnosed ADHD. So I had a lot of shit going on <laughs> that was never properly addressed. And, and it's really like, I don't blame anyone from my past. I used to do a lot of that, like pointing fingers, but you know, I came to realize that that like took so much energy to do a lot of finger pointing. And, and I, in my program, I did, I, I, um, was, it was suggested that I get a sponsor and do a 12 step, um, program. And that was what works because for me, I tried every other option. Like I tried to cool the jets. Like I didn't drink when I was pregnant. I'm like, okay, I'm not drinking when I'm pregnant. I'm not drinking while I'm nursing my children. Then I'm going to, once I'm done nursing, I'm just going to just keep on going without the drinking. And then I, I would find myself just obsessing over wanting to drink again. Once I was done uh, nursing my um, child, I have three sons. And so, and I had them very close, to like from age 30 to 35, like boom, 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 like really close in age. So, so all this time, my, my alcoholism is progressing. And so by the time my third child was born, I really was off to the races and my alcoholism like my the use was um you know i was doing the hiding and the 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 filling the water the water in the the wine like everything everything that all of your you know viewers probably have done before to to hide and keep this secret you know i'm like well i'm really good at keeping secrets so i can i can just keep this up and you know putting it at the bottom of you know the the recycling bin and making sure it's quiet, like in like going to all the liquor stores, like seven or eight different liquor stores. So like people didn't know that I had a problem, <laughs> and so, but I was there a lot. Like I was always, I just drank so much Pinot Grigio, like so much Pinot Grigio. And that, and that, that time my life was really consolidated right after my third son, who's now 12 and a half. And he is, my son who was most affected by autism and so when he after he was born you know my and I was done nursing with him him and he had a lot of health issues I just kept um, I, I would drink um, more and more and more um, even driving my kids um, in the car I was drunk driving with them in the car like I Really, like I don't know how I was wasn't pulled over. I don't know how I got away with all the stuff I got away with, and I was I I really had such a high tolerance at this point, so I could drink a lot and um, still function as as a stay at home mom. And um by the, by the time my youngest son, who was a second son to be diagnosed with autism, I really at this point was like. I thought uh, it's all about me, you know, it's all about me, my ego, you know, like I, I did this to them, my fault, my fault. So I really went downhill and my drinking escalated. And one night I had a really, and I, and I talk about this in my, um, I have a website, sobergradtwos.com and I, and I tell about my rock bottom dream. Um, and it's, it's a, it's what I call like my first, the first message for my higher power, um, that I really listened to, and it's a long, long dream. So that would be like an entire hour and a half uh, more. So I'm not going to tell you the whole dream, but the basically the um, it, the end of the dream, I was being drowned in a vat. Like it, like I was in an elevator, but it was being flooded with liquid, and I was I I woke up because I was literally gasping for air because I was being drowned in this liquid which I woke up and instantly knew it was alcohol that I was being drowned in alcohol and I laid there completely like helpless hopeless tight ty- like I couldn't even cry like I couldn't like like ugly cry like Oprah Winfrey ugly cry I was just so hungover and so tired of the day the groundhog day of the, I'm gonna stop tomorrow I'm gonna stop tomorrow I'm gonna stop tomorrow um you know this isn't helping this is helping, like there's something wrong and I didn't know how to ask for help appropriately. I didn't know how to like really, really ask for help. And I was, uh, and this dream helped me ask for help because I woke up with it. And I looked at my youngest son, um, who was around three or so, um, 12 and a half minus eight, whatever that is. And he um, had just been diagnosed with autism. and so. He looked at me and because I went into his bedroom and he said, and he said, hi, mommy. And it was the clearest, like it was the most, it was really, it was really odd because he had never been able to be verbal and, um, in that way. And, and it was the only time he was, um, for a very long time after that. And so I, the first thought that came into my mind after he, my son spoke to me was Google, um, local recovery meetings. I had never thought about that ever. I had woken up every day for like for three or four years. Well, after my youngest son was born, it was like every morning I wake up more and more progressively, progressively, every morning I pissed that I was awake, pissed that I didn't die. Just so angry at God because I'm like, God, I am useless. I am like no use to my kids. I, I, I'm the reason why they have autism. You know, I must've done something wrong. Like everything that happened to me and then, all things all the bad things i did it's like this is a punishment and so i should be gone like they'd be better off without me and so i ended up um going to a I i googled i I listened to this voice you know (laughs) like like it was and and i went to a recovery meeting and i just sobbed the entire meeting because everyone who i had never ever even imagined going to that like it was either I was going to figure out how to drink like a normal person or die. And that this particular morning after that dream, I call it my rock bottom dream. I had a different thought that day. And the thought was a thought that was reflective of helping myself, you know, getting help. Like I'm going to go get help. And I never thought, like I never, I always wanted like somebody to come in the white horse and save me. And that morning was so different and it was so meaningful because I was the one who sought help for myself. And that, that really was like the foundation upon which my recovery um, grew from. And that's why I, I feel so solid in my recovery. I still have a lot, so I'm totally like not perfect, but I, I want to learn, I want to keep growing. I love all these miracles that have been happening since I got sober. I went into that program Desperate, Like I, my husband was going to leave me. He was going to kick me out of the house to keep the kids. It was this August 19th, 2012. My life was going to be over. But by the grace of God, the next morning he, he, he decided, he's like, you know, let's give this um, time, you know, and, and get you better get us better. Cause you know, it affects, you know, like active, active addiction affects more than just the person who's, you know, consuming. And so this program, you know, I got a sponsor. I, I, I told I did everything the sponsor told me to do in the beginning. I didn't really ex- do everything I was supposed to do. So I did kind of act out and that got me into trouble, which almost cost me my marriage. And so thankfully my husband is so forgiving so loving, so like willing to like see his part in our relationship. Like he is, I'm just so grateful for him. Like he's my best friend now. And we um, were able to be such great role models for our children. And my older two sons know that I'm in recovery and they see me do my podcast and they see me, they're like, Oh, mommy's got another interview. Okay. She's you know doing that. And, and they're in high school and they know that they can come to me if, if they have any problems with anything and it's like just opened up like there's just this incredible peace and this incredible sense of like safety in my home and and I say that because my mother told me the other day she said you know my my oldest son goes we live close to um, the house I grew up in and my, my son goes over to help my my parents who are aging now to with their yard work and my mother said to they were talking they have a great relationship and um and my mo- my mother said to my son so what you know what have what's been hard about this covid with the you know not being able to go to school and what and he explained and then and then they said well what what have you found has been like Good about it. Like, is there anything that you found is good? And and my oldest son, my mom said, "Don't tell." Like, I she was like so proud. Like, she had tears in her eyes. She's like, he said, he said, without a moment, not a pause, he said, "I love having the five of us all be at home together all the time." This is my seventeen-year-old son <laughs> who didn't. get, You know, so I guess like that. I feel like okay. So what the what happened and all the shit that went down, you know, before I got into recovery and even an early recovery and all the amends I had to make and all the, the, the people I had to forgive who weren't even willing to acknowledge they did anything wrong to me. Like I live with that now and I'm okay with that. Like I I've let go of the anger because I don't want to live in anger anymore. Like I, I was given because of the program of recovery that I'm in, and because I was so willing and so desperate uh, to to figure out what the fuck was wrong with me, like why couldn't I stop obsessing over alcohol? Why could I not just have one fucking drink? Like it just it infuriated me. I decided I'm like you know since I worked so hard at project like managing my addiction to alcohol that I would do the same in recovery. You know like in the beginning it was very helpful that I'm like you know I'm going to do this for my sons because I still didn't feel like I was worth it so I was doing this for my sons and then I did get to a place where I was like wow I'm doing this for me now because I'm learning how to love myself and understand why I did the things I did and 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 I had to do therapy outside of my program of recovery like EMDR for trauma and because I had trauma layered over trauma layered over trauma all all throughout my life up until the age of 39 when I went into the program and um that I have done so much work and I'm so so grateful that I was given this chance to live a better life and it's so much easier to live this way (laughs) and I just and that's one of the reasons why I started this podcast and I and I didn't do it impulsively, like I did everything else in my life, you know, like jumping into things like without thinking about it. And usually it was like jumping into the wrong things. You know, this was something that I'm like, I really longed to like, I wanted to like, you know, jump up on this soapbox and shout out to the whole world that like, anyone who's suffering, like I have been suffering, you don't have to suffer like this anymore. Like you, you don't have to be at war with yourself anymore or at war with who, whoever anymore. You, you can just surrender. You can just surrender. And you know what? That's an act of courage. And, and you can learn how to love yourself. And you can give back to others who are struggling. And you can feel really good about it. And you can, you can do it without wanting anything in return. And, and, and so I, I knew I couldn't do that. I knew I couldn't stand up on a soapbox and shout, like, a megaphone, you know, like, to everyone. I had to be very, very humble about things, and I had to really be very careful, at, like, with who I talked to. But what I ended up doing was I, I, I did start an Instagram account. I started to be more open about my, um, my, my story. I started to blog more. And I had, like, seven different, like, names for, for websites and blogs, and I just couldn't get it right. And so I stopped trying to figure it out. And so for like two years, I, um, I just prayed about it. I went to my recovery meetings and then last December, all of a sudden, just one day, sober gratitudes came into my mind and I knew, I just very methodically and very carefully, like it was like, like this, like baby, I was really like nurturing. I put it together and it's nothing like polished at all. Like it's a very green podcast um, it's, it's a way to bring people on um, to, to allow for them to share their stories of recovery and, and, and to celebrate, celebrate, really celebrate life after addiction and, and the hope in recovery. Because without hearing those stories, like if, if I hadn't heard those stories in my pro- program of recovery, which is a program that a lot of people don't like to go into because they think it's very like God based, which it's not. Um, And I tell you that because I hated God when I went into this program, it was like, God cursed me with everything that was wrong with me. And so I, um, I decided just to make a podcast that would help um, people who are in any kind of recovery program who got sober from any kind of addiction and they're so happy and they are so grateful and that <clears throat> you know everyone in the world seems to be going to podcasts right now like you know coronavirus started and I'm like I got to find a coronavirus podcast I got I got to listen to like the right people so I found Dr. Sanjay Gupta from CNN that correspond I started listening to him that's all I listened to and then I'm like oh my god there's so there's so there's like shitloads of podcasts you know I'm like I thought I was the only one doing a podcast like so like it's just so typical alcoholic thinking right like this bit this ego of mine like oh yeah I'm gonna start the sober you know I'm the only one talking about sobriety here no 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 sir and I'm actually really really thrilled that there's so many podcasts in recovery because I'm like I will like you know plug all the sobriety podcasts because I want the whole world to get sober. That's like the dreamy kind of like rose color glasses I wear, you know, like the, like, um, you know, I, that I'm realistic, you know, I'm at this point in my life, but I also, <clears throat> I live my life in hope, you know, because if I don't live my life in hope, then I don't know how, I, I really don't know how else to get through each day. Because you know, during the coronavirus, you know, people are dying. And I'm like, I can't, I can't focus on the death. I've got to honor it. I've got to really you know, be sympathetic and be, show my caring about it. But I've really got to look in the gratitude. What are the gratitudes that are happening? What, what are the things that I'm grateful for? And first and foremost is I'm so fucking grateful that I am not an active alcoholic during the coronavirus because I probably would have been dead or killed my entire family. So (laughs) that's pretty much like the gist of my story. And so now like during the, so, so we've been all quarantined and based on my oldest son and, you know, and my husband, I agree, like, we've been really enjoying this time together. Like, it's really, it's like, it's really made us closer than we've ever been. And, and we've all had opportunities to like work on our own creative outlets that go outside like the world of academia and whatnot, excuse me. And, and so I find that this time has been just such a gift and, and I'm so grateful that I see it that way. Like because I committed to this program eight years ago, because I committed to getting better, uh, I now, I now, have an attitude that's changed. Like I just see the world so differently, and I don't think so negative negatively about everything. Like my my thinking is mostly positive. Although it does if it does get negative, I have healthy tools to help me get out of the negative. And so that's why that's why I love my podcast too. Because I get to keep hearing people's stories. Like I'll interview people, and I'm like kind of in a crabby mood, and I'm like, okay, I gotta like you know get on the ball here. I've gotta like. And, and I feel so great after I've done an interview and I do thre- three Zoom meetings a day during this whole coronavirus and it, and it keeps me sober. And, and I'm just so happy because as one, one person told me who means so much to me in this program is that, um, you know, every day, you know, that for some reason my higher power needed me to stick around on this planet. I didn't see it. I couldn't see it, but I, but I see it now. And I don't see it in an egotistical way. I, and, I, and I say that, like, I'm being really humble saying it. But, you know, I, I get to be the person I want to be. And I'm really comfortable with who I am. And I'm really, really happy that I get this chance to live a life that was worth saving. So I hope this, whatever I sh- shared today, helps at least one person to ask for help if they're struggling, if they're suffering, because you know what, I couldn't do it alone. It's so hard to do alone. And I tried to do it alone for so many years before I reached 39. But from the age 39 till now, from 47, I'm not afraid to admit my age and I'm very proud of this eight years that I've grown. And so, you know, it's, it's just, it's a better way. I hope to live to 110, you know, cause, the 25 years of drinking beforehand, I feel like was like, oh gosh, you know, I was just in like this blackout the whole time. So anyway, I hope I hope this helps somebody, and and uh, I appreciate you letting me be on this, uh, inviting me to be on this show. It's terrific. It's a great show.
1: All right. Well, there you yeah. Go. Thank you, Sarah's war story. Yeah, I'm, every time, you yeah. know, every time, I can relate with every person that's shared their story. And and it helps me to not feel alone even more. I am not alone. I'm not. Yeah, she, I mean, she was
0: great. Like, I, I really appreciated so much of her story. And, and I think one of the things, one of the key things that she talked about that I sort of identified with the most was just that notion that I deserve to drink. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I feel were, like I can still get sucked into that sometimes.
1: I you deserve to eat. I deserve to be lazy. I deserve to eat. I deserve to be lazy. I deserve right? to. Like,
0: man, I had a forty-hour week. I have my problems. But yeah, like I, I do all this stuff. I do, you know, I do so much. I deserve to take it easy.
1: Yeah, or I deserve more recognition. I deserve. I deserve... you know. Mm-hmm. and in, insert whatever right i deserve insert whatever here mm-hmm. but i get it yeah you know sure. if you're dealt with the, dealt the cards i was dealt if you were me you would drink too right yeah. yeah she talked a lot about that victim
0: mentality yeah which i which i really appreciate because like there i mean i think being a victim is sort of tricky right because like there is no doubt that there are people in the world that have been victimized. It's like, yeah, what I think the question is like, what are you choosing to do with that? Like, what are you remaining a victim or are you taking action so that that person no longer holds power over you? Yeah. Or those actions no longer hold power over you. Yeah. And, and man, I, I, I feel like, I had such a beautiful and decent upbringing and I can still play the victim. Sure. So it's, 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 uh, it's interesting to hear, you know, people that have actually been through, you know, actual trauma and emotional abuse and experiences like that.
1: It almost, it almost seems like, uh, victims don't play the victim. Right. Right. Like, like it seems like, uh, playing the victim is such a, mindset thing you know poor me Mm -hmm. poor me poor me a drink you know that whole thing Um, but the 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 victim doesn't talk about it you know and then then we get to a place where we deserve something and once you once you feel like you deserve something then fucking victim victim bus comes out hop on you certainly do deserve something yeah you know
0: and it becomes easy to blame those people around yeah
1: And so shrug responsibility. Yeah. I like I like how she she talked about being the secret keeper, right? You know, being the keeper of secrets. Oh man, you know? do
0: I I ever identify with that? Yeah. I mean, I I know for a fact just just with booze alone, and I did this same stuff with food. I do this same stuff with food. Like I'm not going to talk about food as if I'm out of the woods with it, right? Like, but with booze, man, like. I had bottles hidden everywhere. I was always like trying to, to act like that. Most of my day was spent trying to act like I'm not fucked up. Yeah.
1: You know what I mean? Yeah. Like,
0: oh, like, yeah,
1: Ugh. I get it.
0: You For know. some reason that just but it, took me But back. it
1: changes, right? Like she, just like she said, finally the surrender came mm-hmm. and, and I love that she said surrender is an act of courage. Right. You know, like, yep surrender is courage you know if you can surrender to the fact that you're fucked up your behavior shows that you're fucked up not not anybody diagnosing you not you diagnose yourself based on your behavior Mm -hmm. there's there's some some nobility to that you know and then she talked about how you know her home is safe yeah there's a sense of peace and safety at home now and i shared this with uh My workout group the other day that Avery had told me based on this new way of living that she has never felt more safe. Wow. And like that, that's huge for our families, you know, to do enough work, stay out of the victim role, and become the highest version of yourself through discipline and daily action that you can make the world feel safe. Mm coming from such a place of selfishness right fear self-mutilation harm lying cheating one night stands dirty needles all that shit to make someone else feel safe you know and i think that's what she does with her podcast you know It's it's a safe platform uh i love this recovery community that we have you know in these changing times that i accept
0: Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're better. We can't do much about it. Yeah. yeah.
1: If I can stand there and be resentful and become a victim and well, throw and what, shit away.
0: What I think is ironic about it is as we talk about that, like we accept these changing times, like it is easy to see, like if I look hard enough, the good that has come from it. Because before this happened, we were not reaching out to people to no. try and get their war stories this way. No. And so having having to like be forced to do that has really just opened us up to this
1: Oh, we've huge, met some such great people. Yeah,
0: to this huge community. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, then it must not be all bad.
1: Yeah, it usually ain't. You know right? what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, sobriety's the shit.
0: Yeah, for sure. Like
1: com- This is what I was afraid of. <laughs> I don't I don't want to get sober cuz of what? <laughs> Fuck, it was scary because change is always scary yeah yeah but it's the one thing that you probably better need to accept is that that change is coming it's gonna happen whether you like, yeah. like it or not yeah. it always does yeah so and with that i mean today was
0: our first episode oh so, with a little change with a yeah, little change
1: I, it, and and i'll be honest it was kind of a little it's weird it's yeah chop tra- but hopefully
0: uh hopefully our audience can accept <laughs> this change yeah and understand, you know, like, this this stuff is going to happen. You know, we, we have to accept it along with you guys. We hope you can hang in there. Things yeah. are going to get good. Things are, things are always
1: good. Always good. And, and and you guys help us.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You help us. We're going to keep doing our thing. Please keep doing your thing. Yeah. Stay in touch with us. We love to hear from you guys. Um, Sarah was absolutely wonderful. Great. Yeah. Thank you so much for, for sharing your story with us. And um, sober gratitude is the name of her podcast. If you didn't hear yeah, that,
1: sober underscore gratitude underscore podcast is her Instagram. Instagram. Mm-hmm. We'd love
0: for you to check her out. Any tools that we can have that help us and you know fight the good fight on this side of the table are definitely worth looking up and supporting. So please support her podcast. We appreciate your support in our podcast. And man. I love you. It's a good deal. Good deal today. Until the next time, remember, you are worth the work.
2: We will see you on the other side.